This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Open Gaming Store. PDFs and print. Come on in. And listeners like you, thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links. I'm Chris Perkins. I'm a leap year baby. And your friendly Canadian, I'm here and with the toe. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm hosting solo while Tracy finds her, her new normal with her baby, uh, and Sam comes down with a last-minute cold. So, in this episode number 270, we're going to go big, and I mean real big, like giant big, as we talk about the new adventure, Storm King's Thunder. Joining us in this episode, and by us I mean me, I guess. Joining me in this episode is fellow Tome Show host Mike Shea from Behind the DM Screen and Sly Flourish. Welcome, sir. Hello. We also have a Tome Show alum with us from her many appearances across the Tome Show shows and the various planes of existence, Allison Rossi. Hello, hello. And lastly, from across the pond, a regular guest who comes to us from the UK but without the charming accent, Jonathan Green. (laughs) <laughs> hey, how are you doing? We're, we're doing great. All right, so in this episode, we're talking about the latest D&D adventure from Wizards of the Coast, Storm King's Thunder. Uh, but you're telling me everybody's already weighed in on this book. Well, not everybody, but many people have already weighed in on this book. Yes, that's true. The Tome Show has decided a while ago, and you may have noticed, that we would rather focus on giving meaningful and in-depth reviews rather than trying to to give a snap judgment early on after the book comes out. So I think it happens to serve you guys as the listeners better, uh, so long as you're not in a big rush to, to get the latest thing right away. But if you're in that kind of a rush, you're probably going to get it regardless of whatever reviews you hear. So that said, I've toyed around with the idea of maybe also doing a first impression show for new products, um, time allowing and what have you. Uh, and I'm kind of curious what you guys think about it. Do you want st- snap judgment reviews? Do you want the, the slower take your time and really analyze and give a deeper dive sort of review? Email me over at thetomeshow at gmail.com and let me know. You three, do you have any, any thoughts on the subject? Deep dive or snap judgment? Deep dive. Deep dive. Uh, deep dive. Okay, okay. Well, there's three opinions right there. Before we jump into the discussion on this book, I need to mention our new sponsor, OpenGamingStore.com. Open Gaming Store is an online gaming store that has a ton of PDF products for mini game systems, as well as some physical or print products uh, on the shelves as well. No one gets to pretend they're the only place for you to pick up PDFs for your games. What's more, they offer a bonus. For every $20 you spend, you get a free PDF on top of whatever you bought. And if you enter the coupon code TOMESHOW2016, that's TOMESHOW2016, you get a 10% discount off of whatever you bought. So my open gaming store pick of the episode is Beasts of Legend Boreal Bestiary. Uh, it is both a 5th edition and Pathfinder product pr- uh, published by Legendary Games, who has a pretty good track record of being good designers. It focuses on things you might run into in the forests in, of your world. It includes a feral giant, which might just come in handy if you wanted to spice up your Storm King's Thunder game. Ha ha ha. So, check it out and let them know that the Tome Show sent you. Now, for a little bit more about the Open Gaming Store... Let's hear from our our good friend, the super creepy floating baby ghost. Hey, it's me, 
But before we jump in, one more thing, a round of disclosures. I need to let everybody know that I got not only the book, but a whole sort of bundle of goodies from Watsi uh, for free for this review. Uh, and just to be clear, did anybody else get the product for free? I did. Uh, I did get it for free, but I also bought one, so I actually have two. You have two, but one of them – and did you get the bundle with like the little box and I everything did. too? A okay, little cool. box and the rune and all that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Which rune did you get? I don't remember. Oh, I, I had to look mine up. Allison, Jonathan, you paid for I yours? Would like to, yes, I yeah. would like to say I got it for free, but uh, I mean, I get a little discount at my store for DMing there for the past <laughs> two years or so, but uh, but otherwise, I bought it. But you haven't been paid off by Watsy like Mike and I have. <laughs> no, oh, no, sure. definitely not. I wish. I mean, hey, you know, if you guys want to send me free stuff to review, feel free if you hear this. There you go. I and mean, Jonathan, I want to go ahead and... I want to be on record in saying, if Watsy wants to send me free stuff, I will be a shameless shill. Yeah. Like I will say whatever you want. Ship it across the ocean to you. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. So two totally out. two biased reviews, two unbiased reviews. Uh, that that you know what you're getting into. So let's get into it. Storm King's Thunder. Uh, who can tell me what the story of Storm King's Thunder is? Ooh. I can like force gump my way through it. Force gump it. So are we? We're and we're full spoilers, right? We've put yeah. the official full spoiler tag on. We are now full spoilers. Uh, and people, please jump in as I step all over myself. Yes. Uh, so there's the ordning. Uh, the giants have a fixed hierarchy in their organization. Uh, every every giant within their within their group uh, has a place. And all of the giant, the various giant races know their place among the other giant races. And this is sort of, you know, wired into their into their being. And uh, also recent- the monster manual based on CR, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Like they, they actually have their CR. Their CR is part of their lore. Part of their society. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, so the ordning is this great event that's taking place that's shaking that all up. And suddenly the giants are finding themselves in a situation. And uh, here's right. Like, does it have something to do with what happened with Tiamat? Or is that just a quinky dink? Uh, it's certainly referenced uh, with yeah, the, like, it references the 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 Tiamat uh, tyranny of dragon storyline, so right? It's it's there, but it's not a direct cause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can definitely lead in, uh, like it ties the background into Rise yeah. of Tiamat. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's totally possible. Right, right. Um, and so they have this big ordning, and the ordning shakes everything up. So there's this big play. Meanwhile, there's this crazy courtroom drama. Uh, yeah, court, right? A court drama going on. Or, or in royal court drama. Yeah, royal, court, royal drama. court drama. With the Storm King himself. Uh, the Storm King. Uh, King Hecaton. Uh, King Hecaton. He disappears, right? I think I'm getting it out of order. But there was like, whether they should hang out with humans or whether they should not, or whether they should be friendly with humans or whether they should not, seems to be a big event. And Hecaton has two children or three? Three, right? Three, three daughters? Three yeah. daughters, yeah. yes. Right. Three. He's got three daughters and a court advisor. And uh, one of the daughters, so he goes to have like an, uh, a parlay. I can't remember. Is his daughter first or he, him first? 
uh, because well, his, his his wife is kind of the big his wife, yeah. Says I'm gonna go meet yeah. with I'm gonna go meet with the human folk and they'll be great. And she disappears. And then he says, well, I'm gonna go find her. And he goes and he disappears. Right. Mm-hmm. Do I have that right. And then uh, two of the daughters, two of the daughters are saying, you know, that's it. We got to go to war with the humans. And by the way, we're we're fighting for the throne. And the third daughter, meanwhile, is the one that he actually gave the uh, the right of ascension to. Mm-hmm. And and she is more like her mother in the sense that she you know she's not she wants to know whether or not humans are involved at all, right? Uh, meanwhile, the court advisor is kind of working everybody off against one another because spoiler, she's a blue dragon and she's pissed off about the whole Tiamat thing and she doesn't like giants anyway, so she's kind of screwing things up from the inside. So that and that and that's sort of the the major you know royal court drama that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, you have all of these different giant groups that are all sort of fighting for position and they're all kind of getting all fired up and doing things that they wouldn't normally do. So the stone giants are getting a lot more active. Hill giants have come out of the hills and are now actually going directly after places. Uh, and each of the kings of these groups, each of the lords of these groups is trying to figure out how they can be the next one on top. Right. Uh, so as far as the, the the small folk of of the Sword Coast are concerned, like giants are starting to show up a lot more. Right. And and so far as the small folk are, are concerned, um, they don't really know what's going on or why it's going on. They just know that you know suddenly giants are showing up and raiding the town, or what is it? The cloud giant castles will suddenly float over top and, like and drop like boulders on you, those, right? Like it seems like you can't throw a stick without hitting a cloud giant castle. Oh, there's what two or three of them? Yeah. I, I can think of three off the top of my head, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm guessing there's probably and, more. And that's actually where it more cl- closely connects with uh, Tyranny of Dragons because the the Cloud yeah. Giant Castle from that is a potential makes yeah. it a, makes a potential appearance in this. Well, and, that, and that's an interesting one. That, you know, like how you know for those of us who have, well, we can talk more about like how to integrate groups that have already played through Tyranny of Dragons. Mm-hmm. Is there an opportunity to bring that castle back again? Mm-hmm. And how would we do it? And where's the right place? Anyway, so that's kind of the the, the general storyline of the adventure, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would make one correction. The ordering isn't the thing that broke it up. The ordering is is the status quo. Well, the the, or- is the, the ordering has been broken, and that's what <laughs> shakes. The ordering has been broken. You are yeah. correct. Yes, yes. I just want, didn't want people to get confused. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So, anybody want to add anything in terms of story? I mean, we didn't get much into into the story from the player perspective. Right. The player, Which is actually doesn't, the player doesn't experience like 90% of what Mike just said. <laughs> right. But it is like the first chapter of the book. Yeah, yeah, it is. So what's the player's version of the story? Jonathan. Uh, so for the players, the way this adventure is designed is really the bulk of it happens from levels 5 to 11. There's a very brief thing in there that says, hey, if you're starting at level one, here's a thing to take you from level one through four. But it's really quick, really brief. Um, so the bulk of the story happens from five to 11. And basically it's like, right, here are these places that you can go. And here's all the giant crap that's happening. Um, a good third of this book is dedicated entirely to, right, here is the north. From the desert to the Sword Coast, all the way up to Icewind Dale, south to Waterdeep, here's everything. Um, so the players go around, deal with giant crap, and kind of have a lot of free reign to you know, pursue these specific quests, specific giants that they find interesting. Uh, and then at a certain point, um, the plot NPC, who is a giant, kind of comes in and says, hey, here's where you need to go. Here's this, uh, there's a giant temple. The players go there, the temple gives them a quest, like it does, 
And um, and then from there, the players kind of choose ex- specifically which giant lord they want to fight. So they have a choice between uh, you know, going after the hill giants, the, the stone giants, the cloud, the ice, the fire giants, whichever one they want. Any, any of them except uh, storm. They go there. Because they have to go yeah. there to get this magic conch in order to get to the storm giant castle. That's the ultimate goal, right? Yeah. So and then so once you get all that, then you finally get you know get a specific conch. You go to the the hall of the storm giants right, down down below the ocean. Uh, so all the political intrigue that uh, that Mike mentioned, you find out about that once you're level nine. Yeah, somewhere in there or something. Uh, so about eighty percent of the way through the book, and then ideally you go find the king rescue him and then surprise surprise it's the evil advisor behind everything and then you go after them and so the the final adventure takes place in the middle of the desert with you leading a small army of giants to go kill his dragon mm-hmm. so so it's a bit of a different method format i guess for adventures um that we've seen from wazi so far it's not quite sandboxy but it's not quite railroaded because there's those multiple paths to take right there's, there's a couple of starting sort of events that take place and then you can split into one of three locations and then it kind of comes back together again and then it splits again into like six or seven different different paths and then it comes kind of kind of comes back together and can end a little bit out of order depending on what the players want to do um what do we think about that format I, 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 well, so I have two thoughts. Um, one is I, I like how it's got tons of gaps for us to fill in our own stuff. Um, for example, I, I started this last night and my plan is, and my plan and the plan of my group is we're going to 20, right? I'm going to run it as, I'm going to make it as, you know, the, the, the thought right now is to run it as long as I ran Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat. Even and though, even though the adventure runs out at, at yeah. eleven, well, it kind of does, right? Except you're not really supposed to be able to fight the final boss till you're like sixteen, and you know I can mm. add tons of stuff, right? I can add I can add lots of lots of things, and if they go after all of those giant places, then you know that can certainly get bigger. Oh, sure, too. but you're not. It's not written as if you're going to go after. Well, all it's of them. not written that way, but you know, I think there is a part where they're like, hey, if you want to go after the other giant lords, here's a place where you can go do it. Okay. Um, one of the things that's interesting, though, is if you play it as it is, like, let's say you decide, I, I want to skip the beginning and I'm going to start at level five and you go five to 11, you're going to use maybe 30 percent of this adventure. Yeah. You know, and 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 70 percent you're going to not touch. And maybe you can run it five times and, and, and hit a lot. But and, how that, many people and, that, and that's not because you skipped the first four levels. It's because of that format, because right, it's. There's right, a right. there's a, a decision point where you decide which giant lord you're going after as written, yeah. and so you only use one giant lord and and their layer, and the rest of it never comes into play. Right, and and I guess one could complain about this um, if you said like, well, I really just you know I'm going to run it one through, but I feel like I'm not getting everything out of this. Um, but like I ran Curse of Strahd, and I kind of ran it the same way, where I skipped whole sections of it, and mm-hmm. I know other people skipped whole sections of it because they didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. So they just chose to do that. It didn't. It didn't say do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like, well, I can use this stuff all over the place. Like I don't have to use it as part of this. I can have, you know, all those scenes and all those places and all those different stuff. I can use them in other adventures, or I can, or I can pack them into this one. You know, if I'm running my one to twenty version, I can actually have them go do all of it. Sure. Well, and and there's a certain element of, especially when you get to the all the giant lords and their locations and what have you, uh, there was a certain element of that where I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, this book works about as much as a toolkit for giant layers 
as it does yeah. an adventure with a specific story. Right. Because yeah. I've, I've got a layer for every – a giant lord for every single type of, of giant in the Monster Manual now. Yeah. Allison, we haven't heard from you at all. This is true. Um, <laughs> I honestly forget the question that you asked at this point. So you guys I, was asking, I was asking about <laughs> the, for, the format where, where you only use you know, a small percentage of it and, you're, and you're, you're, you're kind of on rails, but the rails give you different options at different points. And Yeah, so I actually really like how sandboxy it is. Um, the more I DM, the less I like you know, having things that are very linear and you don't really have a lot of options to mm. change how things are done. This gives you so much room to, to just do it how you want to. You don't have to follow it specifically by even the adventure flowchart. If, you, you know, if your players do it out of order, then you know, that's, that's up to the DM to kind of try and figure out how to change the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that there are different options and different paths they can take. And I like how it's not... Um, I guess you could say there's not the same kind of urgency where there is with, uh, you know, Rise of Tiamat uh, slash War of the Dragon Queen or, um, you know, Out of the Abyss where it's kind of like, okay, things are really bad and they're happening right now and you need to fix it right now. Mm. It's kind of like, okay, well, there are things that are wrong, but you have to figure them out. And then there's the drama behind the scenes that, you know, you don't really get to the bottom of until the end. So it's kind of like players can feel like they can take their time. They don't feel rushed to do everything. They feel like they can explore more. Mm. So I really like that kind of format and just the fact that you know there's a whole section on it that's like sword coast adventures guide but you know inside the book where you can give flavor to areas all over kind of this northern uh part of Faerun and the sword coast um you know different locations inns tying them into previous um previous storylines and modules so i i just really like like everything about this book so far without running it yet okay uh one thing that you just mentioned there about the flowchart, uh, one thing I need to give major, major props to Watsi about is um, really the introduction to the book. Um, Jeff, Mike, I guess it was like back in February, we had a um, behind the DM screen where I complained and ranted and whined about Out of the Abyss and how there was no real organization and how it was really confusing. Mm-hmm. This book answers all of that. So there is a flowchart saying, hey, here's about how the adventure should go. They should go from here, go from here. Here's where they're going to wander a bit, and they'll end up back here. There's like one nice, solid flowchart. There's a list of, hey, here are all the NPCs. Here's where they are. Here's the section in the book where you need to go and learn about them. And so it's just a quick reference. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in the, uh, in the north, like there's a great map, and then it's all listed alphabetically there. Like the organization of this book, despite it being so sandboxy, is phenomenal. Yeah, you, really. And you, you and a lot of the issues I had. You and Allison both described both described it as as pretty sandboxy. I don't know if I'm willing to quite go sandboxy with it. It's weird because um, on on in a lot of ways, I feel like um, uh, Curse of Strahd and uh, Princes of the Apocalypse were way more sandboxy than this. Uh, because this has very specific prescribed events. Like, you have to go from event A to event B to event C, and then it can split to, like, six different things, but then no matter where you go, you come back to to the rails later. But that said, there's, like Mike had mentioned, there are these options, but there's also gaps in between the events, right? And you kind of get to fill them out, and they get to go and explore and do whatever. So there's, like, sandbox elements within... Uh, but not within necessarily the story itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I would. 
I would disagree with the idea that it's, well, I mean, and, and you know, we can quibble about it, but um, Strahd actually feels more more linear to me. Strahd uh, is pretty sandboxy. Yeah. Um, but it's got a real refined border to it. And it's like yeah. everyone knows eventually you're going to Castle Ravenloft and you're fighting Strahd. Sure. And that's, you know, from the very first time you see it to the very, you know, to the time you go there, you're going there. And maybe you do some things out of order, but also, like, the level ranges are, are pretty narrow. So... Mm-hmm. You know, you're not likely to to go to Amber Temple when you're level four. Oh no, yeah. Um, so you know, I both I ran that for two groups, and both groups it was pretty linear. The, I think the only difference between them was one went to the Amber Temple and one did not. Sure. Um, this one, I feel like that there's. I, I almost feel like this is one quest of what will end up being many big ones. So you know, the whole thing about the giant stuff feels like forty percent of what I'm going to end up running. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm going to add so much other stuff, and I'm looking forward to adding so much other stuff. Yeah, it, um, it, it's actually interesting because because as we talk about how there's lots of gaps, and, and you mentioned that in this, it, it, it's interesting to me because it feels like there's two different kinds of of ways to run a published adventure, uh, and this serves one of them really well, and that's the the Mike Shea Jeff Greiner way of running an adventure, which is take it apart and, and fill in gaps and, and make your own story within their story and, and change a lot of things and whatever. Uh, but as somebody who occasionally just wants to sit down and run the adventure as written and not have to do all that work, mm-hmm. there's big gaps that I now have to do that work and make up that that bit. Um, there's, there's whole elements, there's whole story moments where um, it, it, it doesn't you know, one event doesn't lead to the next event, which, you know, adds to the sandboxy element of it. But then there's not a lot of guidance of, OK, but like they finish this thing. There's no idea. They're, they're given very little concept of what they should do next. Right. So they wander in the wilderness until they run into this encounter that you can throw in that leads them to the next event. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's certainly some elements like that 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 I guess, I don't know, chafe a little bit because mm-hmm. I want there to be a more cohesive story, and there are times when I don't feel like the story is clear, uh, you know. And players usually, you know, need to be hit over the head a little bit with what what to do and where to go. Mysteries—that's for sure. <laughs> mis- mysteries in games don't play out very well, and there's whole elements of this where it's like, okay, well, now for a while, for a couple levels, they can just sort of wander around and do what they want, and, and then when yeah, you, you better wanna, have something when you want yeah. them to, to move on. Throw this encounter at him with this NPC who maybe right. will will mention right. out of the side of their mouth this one thing that could lead them to the next event. Right, hey, Allison. So so you're you you run organized play, right? I do. Yes, that's correct. Are you are you going to run this? Yes. So actually, uh, my group voted on it, and we decided that we're going to skip Curse of Strahd and we're going to go to this. And I'm actually going to co-DM it. So one of my players has has decided he'd like to dip his feet into DMing. So he's going to DM the first part, and I'm going to DM the second. So Obviously, I'm doing a review on this entire book, so I'm just going to be using my, uh, you know, my my DM sense is not to to cheat when we actually play. <laughs> play a character with an intelligence. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. I'm. I figured, you know, I'll, I like bards. I'll play a bard and I'll be there to inspire everyone, and that'll be me. <laughs> and if you accidentally, and if you accidentally bring in some meta knowledge, I'll be like, oh, uh, bardic lore. Yay. Yeah. Bard, bard, bard. <laughs> whoops! Whoops! I should know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I read it in a book. Don't yeah. worry. All right. So any any other thoughts about what we like or don't like on this book? I know I have some other things to say, but I don't want to dominate the, the, the direction of the conversation. So I can go off of a little bit of stuff here. Um, the whole, like, first – what is it? It's, like, the probably the first 
uh, 18 pages where it's basically like, hey, this is what this adventure is about. Mm-hmm. Um, this is your introduction to it before we get to the actual meat of all the things your players are going to go through. Oh my goodness, how much I love everything they give us. Mm. Um, and a lot of it's just, that story that Mike reiterated at the beginning, right? Yeah, it's just, it's so great to have so much background on what's going on because with with my game right now running out of the abyss, you know, we're at the very end and I have to do so much of my own outside research on on what's going on in the Underdark because, you know, coming in knowing nothing about the Underdark and running, you know, a campaign there... I, I like to know the story, the background. I like to try and make things make sense with the history of Faerun and, and how things, you know, have happened over time. So having all of this right here, here's how the different NPCs are in their backgrounds. Um, here's, you know, the different factions in the north. So, you know, obviously like Emerald Enclave or the Gauntlet, uh, you know, the Zentarum, all that stuff. It talks about all those and how they can be tied into your story. Um I like how it warns, you know, the DM, this is a deadly encounter. This is not for a bunch of baby players that probably don't know what they're doing. Like, this is more, I feel like it's aimed for the experienced player that kind of knows how to play and can strategize or coordinate or role play. So I really like how this is kind of like, as, as time goes on, we're getting more detailed, more in-depth, more more meat uh, for our stories. Um, and and as in, you know, someone who just started DMing with 5e, the difficulty of, you know, running Horde of the Dragon Queen versus this has slowly, slowly scaled up. And I really love that. And I think that it's kind of a good way to be like, okay, let's get people hooked into 5e and let's keep making it harder for them so that they have to think and they keep being challenged not only as players, but as DMs. Yeah, so I don't, I don't I love know, that. I don't know that I feel like this makes makes it things necessarily harder for players. I mean, uh, Out of the Abyss was was pitched as D&D on hard mode for players, right? Because you start level one and you're in the Underdark. Good luck, right? Level yeah. two, there's Demogorgon. It doesn't get harder than that, right? Um, uh, but it certainly, I think, has cranked up the, the experience necessary for maybe a DM, right? Yes. It walks the DM through the process. And like we mentioned, there's gaps, yeah, so since I mentioned that I'm going to be co-DMing this with one of my players, um, part of why I'm glad that we're kind of doing this review is it gives me a reason to really read through it before he starts DMing because he's run other games, but I want to, you know, be there to help guide him through it because, like you said, this is, you know, DMing on hard mode. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is a lot of information, you know. I probably, you know, skimmed through the book two, maybe three times, and there's still so much stuff that I forget just because there's just that much information. Um, so... I just feel like this is not the best intro for for new DMs, but for people who've been DMing for a while, this is like this is fantastic. This has basically everything that I could want it to have, and there's so many more magical items. I love that. Okay. I love yeah, I mean, I and I can I can push back on that a little bit. One of the things you really like about it is all the 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 detailed background story and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I and I like that as well. Um, it's unfortunate to me that almost none of that matters to the actual story the players experience. Um, I felt like the 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 larger story and the player's story, the character story uh, connection 
was uh, was pretty weak, generally speaking. The the fact that the ordering has been broken is a thing that only matters to the players in as much as uh, it means the giants are more active and you're running into them, and that's why you, suddenly there's a giant event. Um, it doesn't play into the King Hecaton thing. There's kind of it kind of concludes with okay, well you saved the day, you saved King Hecaton, you killed the dragon, uh, but none of that had anything to do with why the ordering happened. And I guess you can figure out that stuff on your own. Bye. Right. I mean, um, the the storyline itself doesn't have much to do with that larger background, and and that's a place where I think the the adventure is a little bit weak. There's just yeah. other points I didn't think of, so I appreciate you bringing them up. Yeah, I I I, I felt I felt I felt uh, similar to that. I felt like you know while I was reading that whole section, I'm like, wow. You know, when am I going to like? You know, when am I going to get to the where the players get involved? And uh, part of it is okay though, because I have a tendency of looking at at villains and looking at the plots that are going on as something that's sort of happening in the background that the players may not know about, or they may get hints about it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of know that things are underway. Um, yeah, so, but, so you I don't, do, but you do that with an intent of it eventually being the the storyline, right? And it is. Yeah, and I think it will be, but it'll you know, it's I like mean, yeah, ten ten levels from now, this might matter. Yeah, and it will be for you because your adventure go, is going to go to 20. But the adventure as written mi- misses the whole point of, of the giants and the ordning and all of that. Oh, I see. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I feel like I'm going to be able to bring that in pretty early. I already kind of have, right? I've already had it where they, like, I mean, they're level one. Like, I started level one. Mm-hmm. And, and at level one, they saw the results of hill giants. And they're like, and then they did checks, and they're like, "Why are the hill giants active on the on the on the tradeway? Like the tradeways, pretty well defended, and hill giants don't usually deal with the tradeway. But they came and they wrecked a caravan here. What's going on? You know, well, it's because of the ordning, right? Mm-hmm. It's because of the because of the shock to the ordning. Everybody's getting everybody's getting a little fired up. So at level one, they're starting to see signs of it. But they're seeing the effects of the ordning. They never deal within the adventure itself. They never deal with the whole ordning thing. Oh, right. At yeah. all. And I don't, and I don't think there's even a conclusion to it. No, exactly. That's my, that's my yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is right. that this, this is a major story element in order to explain why all of this is happening. And it has nothing to do. I mean, it doesn't, the players don't interact with that story at all. Right. They, they just live in the consequences of it. Yep. Um, so for uh, for me in my game, one so one thing I'm planning on doing is after this is all done, I'll probably run this to like a level 15 or so. And my plan is after all this is is resolved, the PCs have to go and confront the giant gods, and that's kind of how I'm going to try to tie it all in. Yeah. Um, the other thing is because three of the players in my game uh, all participated in the uh, Rise of Tiamat adventure, uh, I'm making it all very directly a consequence of the ordning is broken. Because giants didn't step up and deal with mm. dragons and these other things did, and I'm trying to bring a lot of consequences from that game into this, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I'm going to try and hook my PCs into like really buying into this and wanting to address it and fix it, and you know, yeah, that's save cool. The day. They should have done something like that. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as well, do they have to yeah. though? I mean, we're smart. Uh, I don't know. I didn't have that idea until John said it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it just leaves a lot of room for the DM to kind of figure out how they want to do things. Like, I guess I don't see as much of a problem with them not saying specifically this is what part you have in, in fixing or, or why the ordning is, is not there. Um, I just like the the fact that I can choose 
how to introduce it to my players or how to put them in that um, versus being told, you know, this is what your players know specifically. Um, I don't know, but I, I like to make up a lot of stuff on the fly, though. So I guess that's just the way I DM. Yeah, I just don't know how to resolve the issue other than eventually you go and talk to the gods uh, because there's nothing that really caused the issue outside of uh, the the all-father giant god is just thought they're getting lazy. Right? So how do you fix that? Uh, <laughs> you know, what's the storyline? So, so with the five uh, five giant types here, they've all got their own very specific plot of how they think they're going to get back on top of the ordinary. Right. Um, and what, so one thing I really like about this this, uh, this adventure is the five different giant types finally feel different to me. They never really did before. Mm. And after reading this, I'm like, oh, okay, now I feel why why a stone giant and a fire giant are two completely different things, even though, yes, technically they're both giants. Yeah, no, and I agree. Um, and I think the, the differentiation of the five fire giant lords and their plots are really awesome. I also wish yeah. their plots were important to the story as well. But they're, but yeah, so, they're just a way of getting to the the storm um, the the storm giant um, castle. Yeah. So I mean, one thing that you could do to try try to you know integrate the whole ordering thing is is um, you know, if the players become aware of here are the individual plots of the of the giant lords, you know, you know, will one of those plots actually work? And is that kind of a tool that the players can latch onto and say, oh, you know what, we think this fire giant plot to build this giant death titan. This is a great idea, and we're totally going to help you out with this. Um, and maybe that's a way you can try to try to integrate it, is the idea that actually these crazy ideas that the giants have, they're not so crazy, and this is a way to address the ordining. Well, I don't know about the hill giant one, though, where she wants to you know, <laughs> eat and eat and eat. I don't, I don't know if that'll really uh, adjust her order in the uh, hierarchy here. She but, is the know, biggest hey, giant. Yeah, she's just a really large giant. So, you know, obviously she goes on top there. So. And, she, and she just highlights exactly where this, this book is awesome, right? I love her. I love the whole situation. I love that it's a matriarchy and she's chased all the other women away and she's stolen yeah, I all thought their that husbands. Was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I love that when you encounter her uh, what is it there's a, a goblin or something stuck in the rolls of her fat that that is an actual statted out creature that like after she dies he pops out or whatever you know <laughs> um, yeah that, that was probably the one of the funniest things i read in the book where i was like skimming through and i was like oh my gosh this is this is a ridiculous idea who was sitting there around like this you know i i imagine a you know watsy round table where they're like all right how weird can we make this yeah. <laughs> and still put it in the book yeah. But at the same time, like it's so dumb, but it feels so perfect for a hill giant. You're like, it oh, does. Yes, this is the kind of plot they would yes. have. But like, it's so dumb. They're so dumb. She's chased away all the women. They're like, "How do we get back? We don't. We don't know. All our husbands. They've been. You know. They've been in her trance, getting her food. Like, mm-hmm. oh gosh." Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot in this book that I really, really like. Um, I really like, I mean, even the look of it, the artwork. Um, I don't even, like, I don't hate the the giant two-page artistic splashes because they're just so cool looking. Oh, yeah, they're great. You know, normally, I, w- I might complain that, you know, I could have used a little bit more of this, that, or whatever on those pages. Um, but they look really cool. And honestly, I can't think of anything that I would really want to have added other than maybe some player options. But... I'm not. That's not too big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, to so, go off those two-page art things, you know, if they sold those as posters, I'd probably buy yeah. one for my wall because they are 
awesome looking. Yeah, they're they're really cool. And uh, you know, I, and I like the 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 format. I like the leaving some gaps for for players who like to you know incorporate the adventures into their larger storyline. Um, I like the flowchart. I like the locations and all these quirky little uh, plots and things. I like everything about this book. I think except for the story, which is why I think it's the first thing they've published. I don't know that I'm going to run. I oh just, really? I just don't know really? that I have the interest in picking it up and running it because I'd have to make up the whole story and. I don't, know that, I don't know that I'm that I'm into that. I might use it as a toolkit and just pull out, you know, hey, I want to do a thing with fire giants. Boom! I've got I've got a plot. I've got a layer and a, and a storyline, a background. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think. Yeah. I I I don't I don't I don't feel like I'm going to have any trouble at all working out the story. And for all I know, and given the way my Curse of Strahd game went. Um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that whatever I come up with, I'll be happier than anything they would have put in there. Well, right, because anything they would have put, you would have changed anyway. But I'd have just modified <laughs> it. Um, one, one, one aspect of the book that I really dig, and one, one thing that got me really excited about it, is that it feels like it's a companion piece to the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. Mm, right? Okay. That, like, between this and that book. So one, one thing that I always thought was kind of bizarre is that, you know, we, we, we got Horde of the Dragon Queen and we got Rise of Tiamat. Mm-hmm. And then, like a year later, we got um, the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. May, I think it was even a little bit longer than a year, right? So, you know, I had a bunch of players who just got through going all over the Sword Coast. And then, and that's and then they, they got, got the guide. And then they got the guide, and that's when Out of the Abyss comes out. <laughs> out of the Abyss and Ravenloft. And neither of them have anything to do with the Sword Coast. Very little. Well, and, this, is, uh, this, this takes this spends some time in the Sword Coast. That's North, my point. The right? North so and the Sword Coast like, sort of overlap. Yeah, yeah. So to me, like now I've got between these two books, I I can bring them back to the Sword Coast again. And now they've got a book um, that they can use. Like what I told my group yesterday is like the Sword Coast Adventures Guide is your book of handouts for this adventure. You know, like this is when when we talk about things and talk about places you're going to go and people you're going to visit. They're all in that book and you can go look them up and read about them. Mm -hmm. And um, and, and, you know, I really, I really kind of want it to be this sort of, you know, wide exploration of, of the Sword Coast overall. Um, and I like that there's a, the, the entire chapter in here on the North kind of goes hand in hand with that, right? Like now there's, there's a lot of overlap um, between those sections. Only the stuff that's in this guide has like DME sort of stuff. You know, and and without getting into the spoilers, like right. if you read the section on Daggerford in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide, and then the the, the 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 thing about Daggerford in this, you know, very different, and and lots of kind of cool stuff on the DM side. Well, and Sword Coast Adventures Guide has this weird thing going on because they really detail the Sword Coast, but then they kind of detail a bunch of other stuff in the realms. Yeah. Right? Right. So so is is Daggerford light in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide because it's not actually on the Sword no, Coast it's, or it's not, it's not light. Um, it's uh, uh, it's just different it's, information. Yeah, it's 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 a player book. Okay. Right. So Sword Coast Adventures Guide isn't going to say things about the secret leader, right? That's right, going right. on there. What's, what's happening there? And you wouldn't want it to. So the player can read and go, "Oh, that's interesting about Daggerford." And then you're like, "Yeah, but actually, this is what's going on there." Mm-hmm. So it's not it, to me. It, it, that's why I said it's, it feels like a companion to it. Uh, I actually started my campaign in Daggerford, because eh, I, you know, some of the players have already been to Daggerford. So the more I can capitalize off of the intellectual investment they've already got, you know, mm-hmm. the better. And I think that's that's one thing that I'm that I'm gonna love about running this. I hope. I mean, we'll see. You know, um, is that my players? Uh, many of them, I think all of them except one, 
played through Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat with a whole separate set of 1 to 20 characters. Uh-huh. And now it's three years later and, you know, all that kind of stuff happened. And now they have new characters, but the players have all of the they, they have all that memory of the things that happened. Right. So, like, the very first character, you know, one of the things I did with this one was um, I, I asked if the, I, I asked them to choose a faction as a group rather than selecting different factions independently. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, you can choose another one. So one of them picked Lord's Alliance, but everybody else picked Harper's. So uh, Leos and Erlanthar was their Harper agent, right? And oh. Leos and Erlanthar is the very first guy you meet in Horde of the Dragon Queen. Yeah. And they were like, ooh, yeah, I yeah. this guy. You know, and then the characters don't know him. Or a couple of characters had actually been with them for some time. But, you know, it was different than the characters in the other books. So the idea that now the players can kind of get a whole separate chapter about this area um, they have all of that memory of of what happened during the Sword Coast stuff, or during the Horde of the Dragon Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, but now their characters can kind of start fresh. Um, but who who was it? Was it Allison who talked about how one of the nice things about this adventure is that it's not a doomsday adventure? Yeah, I feel like it's just not like you, yeah. you don't feel the same kind of urgency. Is is Such what I believe really- I said. It's like as a DM, sometimes. So my players have been playing for a while, and they know me as a DM. But sometimes, you know, your players just don't want to cooperate. It's like, okay, so we're running D&D, and I'm running a game for you, and you know that there's a goal, an ultimate goal generally at the end, or you're supposed to do things, or, you know, if, if something's, you know, being wagged in your face, take that, that, you know, plot hook. And sometimes the players are like, but why? Why should I do that? Why, mm-hmm. why is it so urgent? And it's like, I can only explain it to you so many times, you know, mm-hmm. before I feel like I'm beating you over the head with, you need to do this because it's urgent because it's urgent. Whereas this, it's like, you know, if you want to take your time, you want to take a, you know, sidetrack to Parnist or whatever, go ahead. Sure, right. why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that. you know, just, I mean, I know that just emotionally speaking, I need a break. Right. It's like I went from <laughs> Yeah. I went from Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat to Princes of the Apocalypse to Out of the Abyss to Curses Drod to this. Right? And it's like all at least three of those are doomsday books. Right? Yeah. And and yeah. Curses Drod's kinda like the doomsday already happened. Right. So <laughs> yes. you are you know, living the doomsday. Yeah, it's already <laughs> right, right. And and so so but but three of them have sort of these urgent threats that you've got to deal with. Out of the Abyss I actually felt like you know, it was a little less like that. And the, the whole Allison and Wonderland thing worked out. I think, I think you know, the group that I ran through that, they they didn't have this, like, oh, my God, Orcus is going to show up any minute. And then at the end, of course, Orcus showed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they beat him by hurling an iron golem at him, which is there pretty cool. So, yeah. So they, um, uh, so, and so you know, when I, the thing, again, like I told my players, like, this is kind of our vacation, right? Like, this, this, this adventure, stuff is going to happen, and there are going to be bad guys, and there's going to be stuff you're going to deal with. And then I'll make sure that the story, that, you know, that, that there are threats and that there are, there, there are reasons to do it. But it's like, your guys are agents of the Harpers, and the Harpers can come with all kinds of different things to you. And, well, and, and it's not that, and it's not like, I mean, the larger storyline of the Ordning that never really gets dealt with. Right. Um, I mean that, that it's not like it's, it's not a doomsday story, but it's still important. Like if it changes, the world is different. It, it, yeah, yeah, but it but it could take forever. Oh sure. You know, like it, I mean, there isn't like this at this moment. All of a sudden, this thing is going to happen. I mean, the, the 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 events, and I probably one one could look at that whole situation with the sisters and and all of that, and say like, well, all of those things are going on currently, 
And if the players don't get involved with it, that will keep moving on, right? right? Like I tend to do that in other games. You know, Stra- what's Strahd doing right now? You know, what's what what are the Drow? You know, house house. I forget what house. It's not so, but the, whatever the house is that's chasing your ass through. Out of, the out of Velcro, yeah, yeah. So you know they're doing stuff right now, and if you're, you know, whatever the characters are doing, those guys are doing stuff too. You know, I'm probably going to relax with that and not worry so much about what those guys are up to because their thing might take a long time, right. and and I don't want the players to ever feel like, oh, we've got to go to here or we're screwed. Now, there's some there's some areas like smaller stuff where that could certainly be the case. Yeah, and I suppose if I'm willing to take my my world and just say, you know, this is your introduction to the ordering and it's just, or the, the breaking of the ordering and it's just a thing that's going to be going on. It's a, it's, it's the new status quo of the world is that the giants yeah. are just going crazy and trying to fight over it. And this could be happening for a hundred years. Um, you know, then, then that actually yeah, helps, they don't, helps they don't the adventure have, a little bit for me. So. Right. They don't like, you know, just because a big thing is going on, doesn't mean the characters have to be involved. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it doesn't. You know. But if but yeah, I don't know. There, there's there's issues there, and I, I and part of me like thinks this is part one of two. It's a relatively self-contained story, but there's a second high-level story coming out, and I and I feel like there's actually hints in this book of a future storyline. Did anybody oh, really? else feel that way? Oh yeah, I did I, not. So but I, I'm curious what you thought. Jonathan, what did you did you catch the same get... thing I did? Uh, so the biggest one is so the ice giant plot where they talk about arc. What's his name? Artist Climber or something uh-huh. like that? Uh, like the, the ice giants are looking for him, looking for him, and it says expl- explicitly, they won't find him. He has a role to play in an upcoming adventure. Oh, really? And yes, they did. I must have missed that line. And, yeah. and, and, and they're looking for him because they think he has the Ring of Winter. And the Ring of Winter yeah. is a really big deal artifact oh, in the yeah. realms. Interesting. Cool. Oh, so, I even have it as a note, the Ring of Winter part, but I like mm-hmm. I guess I miss that line where, hey, it's gonna yeah. be the next yeah. adventure. Yeah, so, I so, remember them talking to... about that. They talked about it on the podcast, I think. So part of me wonders, yeah. like, is is this supposed to be you know, a self contained story, but that the ordering story will will continue and the giants will continue and, and we'll focus on the Ring of Winter and the and the Frost Giants. In which case all of my complaints might completely go away, and I will totally be running this. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I found that artists in the ring. Uh, they they try to discourage any such. If, uh, blah blah blah. They've tried to discourage any pursuit. Artist climber and the ring of winter have roles to play in another adventure. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Now that you know, one could say like, well, they they're just that's a vague. Right, a, yeah. a vague bookmark. They don't actually have a plan, but they or, might have a plan. Or is is that them? Is that them teasing what the next thing is without actually telling, without having to it's make a pretty, an announcement? It's a pretty deep tease. It's 156 right. pages, yeah. and it's right. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's a. It's something special for the fans who are buying the product. Good a little, eye, a little heads eye, yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Good eye. Yeah. I hope, I, well, then and then it's like, well, I, God, I hope they do it right so that like that adventure comes out and my my players still care. Yeah, because the and they, they haven't announced what the next adventure is, right? And it could be a, an eleven to twenty or ten to twenty or whatever that fills in what. Okay, you've done this thing and that's fine. But and if you want Never to, now you can, now you can pick up and, and take see what happens with this whole ordinary thing or not. So one of my uh, one of my favorite things they did with uh, Rise of Tiamat, Horde of, Horde of the Dragon Queen Adventures was the um, the bonds that were in like Appendix A or something. Oh, yeah. And one of them was like, right, hey, you've got this death list of people in the cult, or hey, you're secretly a gold dragon. And I'm very frustrated they didn't do that in this book. 
So I went mm-hmm. back and I kind of wrote my own. Oh, uh-huh. And one of them very specifically is, you're a descendant of Arctis Climber. There you go. Um, and using that, and I've written a few others that are very specific to my campaign world and blah, blah, blah. Um, but um, for any DMs that are running this, I would really encourage that one in particular, just because that gives a very personal tie-in, especially to the Ice, Dra- ice Giants. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it could couldn't be a very fun kind of plot pusher where anytime the anytime the players get a little bit too stagnant suddenly ice giants show up because sorry frost giants because they are trying to locate arctis and they keep on finding the player character finding you yeah because you've got the blood yeah another way that i found uh interesting to kind of try and tie players into things when they get off track or lost or aren't sure what to do or why something's urgent is actually a one of my one of my players is uh, a human and you know being in the underdark he you know has some issues seeing but i threw in a pair of goggles of the night or whatever i believe that's what they're called um but there's a little caveat that I don't think any of them know yet, and it's been months. Uh, they're actually cursed. Um, so I use these goggles as a way to give him visions of the present, or or what's you know you know what's happening right now elsewhere in the Underdark, or what might happen in the future to them, or you know maybe something that doesn't happen at all, um, and it's just to throw them off, or you know something that's happened in the past, and it's kind of how I've tied in certain storylines where they get off track and forget them, or whatever it may be. So it's been very useful to to tie things in. So you could do that with the the giants. You know what happened in their culture that threw everything off track where mm-hmm. they're all fighting um so you know cursed item why not there you go all right so we're we're 50 minutes in or so any other thoughts on the book i think i've exhausted all of my my deep insights my my critiques and my my noting of deeply buried lines hinting at future <laughs> adventures so well i was just going to quickly say that uh the Tracem, the little tiny cats with wings. Mm-hmm. I think they're super cute, and I can't wait to use them in my game. And Yak Folk are pretty cool. So Yeah, Yak Folk I haven't seen before, but Tresim have been in the realms for since at least 2nd edition. Yeah, I've seen them before, but I haven't seen them in a game I've actually played in, so I'm kind yeah, of excited to go. use them because they're cute. So, <laughs> Jonathan? Uh, yeah, so two things. One of them, uh, I want to make sure that I mention it because I know Tracy always goes out of her way to mention it. Mm-hmm. The um, the diversity breakdown in this book is fantastic. Like it really is a very even breakdown between male and female and people and races of all ethnicities. It's excellent. Mm. Um, Good point. The other Good thing point. I want to mention is um, this adventure is not afraid of giving the players power, or not necessarily power, but just like cool stuff. It's like, hey, you know what? Here's an airship. Because pff, why not? I don't know. Have fun. Or learn how to ride griffins. Get some griffins. Go have crazy. Yeah, but it's yeah. also, it's also here's an airship. Oh, yeah, and it's tied to the Cult of the Dragon. Have fun. Oh, <laughs> which is amazing. That, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'm, that's exciting. God, that's going to be great. Yeah. So, But there's a lot of things like that where it's just very much a, um, again, I guess some adventures kind of are very careful about keeping certain amounts of power out of the hands of the PCs. And in this one, the PCs play their cards right. They can get a fire primordial, an ancient primordial, in an iron flask that they could do anything with. Oh, and not just and a just an like, ancient, yeah, not just it. an ancient fire primordial. That's the, that's the creature that destroyed Neverwinter. 
Like it's 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 a major story yeah. character. You know, Bob Salvatore's books deal heavily with this thing, and the fact that that in this adventure it, it completely changes that that situation is is not a small thing, and and it blows my mind that all it took was a was an iron flask. That seems like uh, yeah. a fair, it seems like a fairly minor magical item that could have saved a lot of people trouble, uh, you know, <laughs> in a lot of novels. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of stuff like that that um, this have been afraid to give to the PCs and say, right, go for it, have fun, shake up the realms, it's yours. Do yeah. It. Oh, um, sorry, and then one last thought. There's another small kind of faction called the Kraken Society that shows up very briefly in this adventure and it's a cool society it looks like it could be a lot of fun i'm really frustrated with how little they're used Mm -hmm. but the one part of the book where they are used it's really cool yeah and it almost that's another place where it's like i feel like there's areas where they're they're telling a story about giants but they're leaving elements that are going to or could be important later on. And depending on what they do in the future with the Ring of Winter, uh, with the Kraken Society, whatever, I feel like there could be some cool things. I wonder if, yeah. like, the Kraken Society it doesn't it doesn't play prominently in Volo's Guide to Monsters, which is coming out shortly, right? Um, and so it could, it could, you know, it could be t- a tie into that, you know? So, so there's a lot of elements like that where I wonder if they're not layering in things that will pay off later. Mike, last thoughts? I love it, and um, I'm 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 looking forward to running it. I like I like the sort of parallelism between this and uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, um, and you know, ask me again in a year. Yeah. Well, or or listen to behind the DM screen. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll chat about how Mike's like, game is going. What a disaster! Oh, terrible. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I've made my uh, my sort of uh, concerns pretty clear. I think it's really I love to see the way Watsy um, experiments and tries new formats and tries new new you know they they very much shied away from having a formula for how to write an adventure right because every adventure they've had uh, or they've helped other studios write for them or whatever have followed a very different formula a very different format um, have very different feels and, and very different needs for players I like that it's it it's written in a way that that more experienced DMs actually use adventures, right? Where we there's enough gaps that I can tell my own story in the middle of it as well and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, everything about this book I absolutely adore except for the story. Uh, so uh, I'm just not too hot on the, on the story as it stands right now. If there's a second part, maybe that'll fix it. Maybe it won't. We'll see. Um, but right now, I think this is the, the one adventure I will set on my shelf and maybe pull out and steal things from every now and then. But I just don't know that I'm going to run it. We'll see. That's my last thoughts. One very last thing, just because James is not on here to plug it himself. Yes. Um, on, I think on his site, uh, World Builder Blog, he not wrote me, a, me. kind of a free PDF download that uh, has Desert Giants from the new Tome of Beasts. Mm-hmm. And basically, if you're like, you know what, having five giant types isn't enough. I want another one. And it's the type of giants that hunt all the other giants and cut off their heads. And then it's a big adventure out in the desert. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really fun thing to look at. I think I might integrate it with my uh, mm-hmm. with my game. Yeah, James but put, put out a, a few things. Games. I think to supporting this storyline, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, so, so you should absolutely head over else. head over to the the any award winning worldbuilderblog.me and pull up some extra resources for your giant campaign in Storm King's Thunder. All oh, right. And one one last quick thing to yeah. throw in there. Uh, I really liked uh, you know the Cloud Giants Bargain, the special exclusive uh, little intro uh, to this that tied in with uh, you know their live play. Mm. So I thought that was really cool to tie that in. Um, Explain that a little bit so people know what you're talking about. Um, so Cloud Giants Bargain is a quick little, uh, what is it, like 32-page 30, short adventure uh, that was given out if you went to see, um, you know, Wizards play, you know, live their Acquisitions, Inc. stuff. Uh, so you're basically, like, hired by Acquisitions, Inc. To, to, you know, show your stuff to see if you could be part of Acquisitions, Inc. Um, and you try and infiltrate, uh, you know, a flying fortress the uh, for the Cloud Giant uh, Count mm-hmm. Strat. So it kind of, uh, you know, is an interesting intro and a way that your your players could have a reason for doing mm-hmm. stuff. You know, they work for Acquisitions, Inc. You know, it's tied in with all these live events that D&D does, you know, once a year. Um, so I thought that was cool. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. four-hour adventure for fifth to seventh level players. So it's, it's, it is Adventures League legal. So There you go. And, and yeah, I feel just, like there's been a lot of, uh, I feel like they did a really interesting job with this adventure in terms of, of the brand and, and the breadth. Right, like there's always been like an update to to video games and that kind of stuff to incorporate the storylines and all that, um, but the the actual play the the you know the was it the Force Gray adventure online with uh, Matt Mercer and crew yeah yeah uh, incorporating things the things like the acquisitions incorporated uh, stuff that also tied into this. Uh, and with the other adventure, uh, Ed Greenwood's latest novel layered in like it's it's all about you know stuff going on with Elminster and Laryl and Waterdeep and all that. But there's this sort of B plot for the first half of the book of hey people are kind of freaking out because this giant floating castle just appeared over the city. We should go figure out what that what that's about, right? Uh, which is tied into into all of this, right? There's all well, in fact, that book he did a great job of, and that speaks to Ed Greenwood's ability to w- live in a shared world. But there were because there were elements of like every. Uh, adventure they put out since uh, since uh, the rise of Tiamat, uh, sort of hinted at in there, including Morden Kanan running around from Ravenloft. Hmm. He apparently, after he left Ravenloft, he ended up in the realms and is just hanging out in Waterdeep with Elminster, causing trouble. <laughs> so he's just sort of running around, making a jerk of Why himself. Why not? You know, <laughs> and Elminster's like, uh, you, you guys deal with this. I got to go make sure he doesn't blow something up. You know. So. <laughs> Yeah. So no, it, I mean, I, I've enjoyed sort of the the way they've they've expanded the brand a little bit here. But anyway, I think that's all of our thoughts. Yes. So I'm going to say that's the end of this episode. I want to say thank you to our new sponsor, OpenGamingStore.com. I want to say, th- say thank you to Mike Shea, who you can find at SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com/slash/SlyFlourish. Did I miss anything? No, thank you. Any any great new books that you want to promote? Fantastic Locations is out and awesome and yep. well received. And the art the art book has just been released to uh, backers oh, and yeah. uh, will be up for sale soon. Fantastic, huh? Get that? Fantastic. Yeah. Maybe 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 we'll do a review of Fantastic Locations uh, in November or December when we have a short month with the holidays and all that. All right. So there we go. Uh, I also want to thank Jonathan Green. Where can people find you, Jonathan? Uh, so right now you can find me on Twitter at John underscore M underscore Green. And uh, starting in mid-November or so, you can find me on Drive-Thru RPG uh, with a uh, 
with a new book called Edge of the Frontier, which is a Western RPG using the Edge of the Empire rule system. Oh, interesting. Oh, or if people happen to be in Bulgaria as we're recording, they can just you know knock on the door, <laughs> right? That too. We tell people you're in England, but actually you're secretly in Bulgaria at the moment. Don't tell anyone. Allison Rossi, where can people find you? And thank you for being on. Uh, you can mostly find me on Twitter because that's basically where I live. Uh, my handle is at charm underscore underscore person. And, you know, quick shout out if you like Overwatch. I'm also part of the staff over at the uh, competitive Overwatch Discord. So that's discord.gg slash cow league. Cow league, like, like yes. new? Like like Moo, like okay. C-O-W League, yes, yes. Short for competitive Overwatch because obviously oh. that's just way too long. <laughs> I see. Okay, very good. All right, and I also want to thank all of our listeners out there for supporting the show by shopping on our from our affiliate links to Amazon or the DMs Guild. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email me at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Let us know about the the uh, gut reaction versus deep dive review format. Uh, you can also call at 919-BIZ-TOME, 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E, and leave a, a message on the voicemail. Uh, and that is episode 270, where we cut some giants off at the knees in this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm also a